You may be seated. You may be seated. It's been uh, <laughs> 21 years now uh, since I've been in grad school, and I remember when I started grad school, um, we had syllabus shock. Now, undergrad syllabus shock was, was, was all right, but um, grad school syllabus shock was crazy um, because in one class I had to read 10,000 pages, and I didn't even understand that. Like, I, I didn't, like, one class. And so, I mean, I'm taking all these languages, I'm learning all these new, all these new t terms, like evangelical fundamentalism, covenant theology, dispensational theology, redemptive historical uh, theology, hypostatic union, Jesus Christ existing in hypostasis. I, 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 I'm, I'm learning about all of the different councils, and I'm learning all of these different things, and all these different things just hitting me real fast. All I wanted to do just learn how to do some ministry, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm like, I don't know what these 10,000 pages got to do with that, you know? Um, I don't know. And um, some professors would, uh, would test you out of the footnotes. I'm just... Uh, crazy stuff, and they would grade you on how much reading you did. And I was like, man, you know, I, I don't even, uh, you know, wrap my mind around this. And so for about uh, a couple years, I just was sort of in a daze about my theological education. And as I began more and more getting uh, practice in ministry and engaging um, youth in South Dallas, working with Bloods, Crips, East Dallas Locos and different neighborhood gangs and engaging and learning how to share the gospel in Madison High School, Lincoln High School, going to Bonton, Turner Courts, Fraser Courts, and engaging these different people groups and engaging in the Oak Cliff section of Dallas youth and beginning to pastor people. Um, and, and things began to look different in how I looked at my theological education because at first my education was something to get over, but as I saw uh, that my education was bigger than the 10,000 pages of reading, was bigger than uh, verb tenses in the Greek and Hebrew, was bigger than, and that doesn't mean I don't enjoy the exegetical aspects of hermeneutics, but one of the things that I began to learn is that there was a bigger picture. And when you get a perspective on a bigger picture, minutia has depth. And so what began to happen to me is, is the everyday experience of getting a work done and doing syllabi, if you will, began to make more sense. And I had a fluidity of working through it, not because I was brilliant, not because I was smart, but because now I had a bigger picture of perspective. Some of you under the sound of my voice are going through some things and you think you're going, what you're going through is all that you're going through. And there's more to your suffering. There's more to your pain. There's more to your frustration as a single. There's more to, than your financial challenges. There's more to your, your financial ups. There's more to your financial down. There's more to your sickness. There's more to the brokenness in your marriage. There's more than the frustration in your relationships. If you would just not look at merely what you're going through, but who's overseeing what you're going through. If you don't let who oversees what you're going through help you to see as you go through, you will mess up as you go through. And so the child Challenge and commitment to us as believers is to have a bigger picture. Somebody say bigger picture. 
bigger picture, bigger picture. It's important for us to have a bigger picture. And so we come uh, to this passage, uh, to the Gospel Globetrotter himself, Paul, who is helping us to begin to see uh, the bigger picture. He's talked about the individual effects of suffering on the believer. As he went from uh, verses 7 uh, through verse 12 of chapter 4, uh, he's going to pick this up in chapter 6, verses 3 through 10, then pick it up again, this idea of suffering and its impact on us in chapter 11 as he talks about suffering yet again. But here in this passage, he's trying to take us up of the elevator of experience. And as he takes us up the elevator of experience, he's trying to get us a bigger picture of why we go through, why we go through, so that we can have perspective, depth, commitment, and a glorious gospel grind as we go through the beautiful struggle. I got two points for you, and then your homie is out your way. Number one, we must share the big picture. We must share the bigger picture. Paul says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. This is very, very interesting terminology he's using here, but he's quoting here in the I believe and so I speak from a psalm that's talking about it's, uh, the psalmist is pointing to uh, their experience of God and believing God, and therefore they speaking in light of that. Now, when Paul says we have the same spirit of faith, what is he talking about there? When he talks about having the same spirit of faith, he's saying, I have the same spirit of faith that that person in the Psalms had. I connect myself to them, and therefore, we all have this same spirit of faith. Now, we're not talking about the Holy Spirit here. We're talking about a faith disposition. And in this faith disposition, um, the same faith that the Corinthians had to believe that God would take them from spiritual death to spiritual life based on believing the renewing power of the gospel by believing in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for him to impute them with righteousness by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone is the same faith that grows them in the midst of a struggle. In other words, you don't let your Christianity end with justification. You let it begin with justification and carry into your suffering in your sanctification. And so what he begins to do now as he begins to say this is he's saying, now let me explain something to you. If you truly believe the gospel, it's impossible to believe the gospel and not tell somebody about it. Oh, oh, y'all not going to talk about it to me. In other words, it's, it's impossible to experience anything as great as the gospel and not share it with anybody. Let me see if I can make that thing plain. Um, When you go out to eat and the meal's looking bananas, (laughs) you're looking at the table and the person bring it out, the first thing you do, you ain't even smell the food yet, is you pull up something like this. You pull out your phone or your iPad, you taking pictures and putting on, and then not only do you take your picture of it and you do the filter that you want, you clack cow it a little bit so it can take the, so you can make sure the workings of the picture uh, uh, expresses the beauty of what you just had brought to your table. And not only do you end it there, but you give them a location by taking out your location to let them know where you are and where you got it from. 
Somebody ought to hear me today. Listen, let me just tell you something. When you trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've tasted and seen that he is good. When you go through something hard, you can taste and see that he's good. When hell breaks loose, you can taste and see that he's good because even though what you're going through is bad, God is still good. And because he's still good, listen here, you want to be able to tell somebody about the fact that I'm going through, but God is still good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn on my locator and show you where he brought me from. I'm going to show you where, I, where he found me, not where I found him, but where he found me so that you can track to the location as I communicate through the verbal filter of the gospel to communicate to you the excellencies of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's helping us to really work through and see in this glorious ancient passage the beauty and glory of communicating. I remember when I trusted Jesus Christ the Savior and then I started getting discipled. I couldn't help it. But just talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ and engaging people with the, with the renewing power of the Lord. He says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will we'll raise us also with Jesus, key term, and bring us with you into his presence. This is, this is beautiful here. Uh, so, so, it, so this almost seems like he's off track, but he's still heavily on track because he's, he's helping them, again, remember to see a bigger picture. Basically, he says, so knowing that he who raised Jesus, he raised Jesus when? After he suffered. You see what I'm saying? So, so when did he raise him? After he went through something. After he uh, was flogged and uh, uh, beat beyond a, 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 a death's grasp, and then he gave up the ghost. He died, but then on the third day, he got up from the grave. The Bible says, the same one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. In other words, in the second resurrection, God, listen, <coughs> will raise us up <coughs> with the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you, you should have ran through the building on that part. When Jesus comes back, he's going to raise us up with him. I'm going to say that one more time. When Jesus comes back, see, let me, let me tell you why y'all not clapping, because y'all like it here too much. See, suffering is to remind you of how bad it is here without him. Y'all never talk about it. And so, and so, so what, what, what the apostle is doing is what he's trying to help us to do is to show us how much we like earth. Because the more, you see, most of us, this, this is our disposition towards the Lord. God, I'm excited you're coming back, but let me get married first. Can I be real, real, real? God, I've been abstinent for a while. I've been walking with you. <laughs> so can you hold Jesus to after? Don't act like, this series is called Keep It 100. Lord, let me get this first. Let me experience. Know what that is? The disposition, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to experience the life that God has for us on earth. But when we want to hold out heaven-piercing earth, it's a bad view of heaven. In other words, it's a bad view of spending eternity in the presence with God. Because what happens is, is whenever you get comfortable, listen to me today, whenever you get too comfortable here, God lets you know why you don't want to stay here forever. 
And so suffering, going through, see, some of y'all got to get a bigger picture. Some of the reason why you're going through is so you can stop loving this life so much. See, every now and then you need to get sick and tired. Don't just ask God to get you through the trial. Sometimes you should just say, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. And every, every now and then you need to be sick and tired of the planet. Every now and then you need to be sick and tired of this world. Every now and then you need to be sick of CNN. Every now and then you need to be sick of C-SPAN. Every now and then you need to be sick of MSNBC. Every now and then you must be sick of Time Magazine. Every now and then you ought to get sick. When you see racism in the news, you ought to get sick. When you see sexism in the news, you ought to get sick. When you see kids being sold into sex slavery, you ought to get sick. This is a sick, old, messed up, jacked up world. And every now and then, your heart should climb its way up the ladder to heaven and say, Lord, come quickly. Come on, God. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, this is dismissive. Now, we're not dismissing earth, and we'll talk about that in a second. But it's very, very important that you feel like the, the, the Bible says all creation groans in pain at the revelation of the sons of God. An earthquake is the earth saying, I'm sick of you. A tornado, remember how they was raining like it was? That was the cloud saying, we sick of Philadelphia, we sick of the, we sick of DC, we sick of the D, we sick of all of that. Trees, when it bend to the wind, it's just saying, we worship your Lord because we sick of it. When trees fall down, that's creation groaning in pain for the revelation of you. Oh, the revelation that you would be revealed because you being revealed, for real, for real, Christians being revealed is the mark of Jesus coming back. And having had come back. And so why in the world does creation that can't talk, can't speak, and can't communicate verbally the gospel has more commitment to it than us? <laughs> it groans in pain for you to be revealed. And so, so the Bible talks about, but Paul is talking about wanting to be in this. So when you go through, that's why I like to be around old Christians. You ever been around an old Christian that ain't got nothing left but wisdom? You know what I'm saying? They ain't got nothing left. They drop, that's why they drop, they drop like a sentence on you, rock you for three weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, dang. It was simple, too. Accessible, but you still chewing on it. That's how you know you've been here for a while. See, listen, when you, when you, when you can't slam dunk no more, you just throw a fade away. See, old people can do fades, but they can't do all this. Curry and carrying on. See, spiritually, spiritually, they Jordan in his retirement. Fade away. You know what I'm saying? And, and that means when, when the older you get, the more skilled you get at getting the job done with simplicity. <laughs> you use less energy. I'm getting ahead of myself. But what happens is, is that now the, the, the creation's groaning in pain. So knowing, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will, also, will raise also us with Jesus. So listen to this. <coughs> Suffering doesn't ensure that you get resurrected. See, some of us believe that human difficulty is God's means for you to earn something from him in this life. See, I know the reason why you're going through this, brother and sister, the reason why you're going through it is because God got something in your picture. And once you go through it, God's going to give you a house. God's going, God ain't, 
God don't owe you nothing. We're going to see in a minute why you go through it. God don't have to make you on the come up because you went through something. But our disposition means, God, you let me go through all of this. So you know what I'm saying? You ought to give me something. And God, like, I don't owe none of y'all nothing. Why? Because what's this? See, the reality is this, that Jesus' suffering and resurrection already earned us what God's going to give us. So your suffering doesn't earn you the right to experience human enjoyment. See, that, let me, that's going to help somebody. See, some of you are in your trial thinking the breakthrough is something human. See, I know they teach that on TV and different places, but God don't owe you jack. He's given you enough through the death and resurrection of Christ. Listen, and none of us suffer perfectly. So it, let, let's just say God let our suffering earn something. His, his rubric is perfect. It's not 98%, not 50%. It's not grave on the curve. It's perfect. So who in here has went through suffering and didn't complain once? Who in here went through something and was just happy the whole time? I just blessed the Lord with all my soul. You just start singing with sickness in your body. You did that. Or did it take some time for God to work you there? (laughs) See, see, that's the gospel working in you. Really, the riches is God being and working you in the midst of you going through. We're going to talk about that in a second. And so as we realize that. So Paul's simple point is that in the midst of all the suffering that he and his crew experienced, For Jesus, because of the gospel, because of gospel commitment, just as Jesus suffered and died and was taken into the presence of the one who raises the dead, so also God will reward them with his eternal presence by faith, not in what they did, but what Jesus did. However, the suffering that we go through is because Christ suffered. That's why there's no such thing as a sufferless Christianity. No, there's no, there's no, we don't worship suffering. We're not like masochists, like bring it on. You know, that's not. You, that's, that's something else, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but, but when it happens, you, you have to grab your faculties by the gospel to get clarity of the bigger picture of what God wants. And so with Jesus in this text is the key. It says with Jesus. Jesus is the means by which you are resurrected. Nobody is being reincarnated. I just want to throw that out for free. And so one of the things that the apostles and the disciples and those who wrote the New Testament use suffering for is for later to influence now. In other words, as you look at what's coming down the pipe because of what came down the pipe through what Christ has done, Christ has died and resurrected from the grave. I repented and believed in that. Now I'm in the middle, but Christ is coming back. And so I look back to, to grab a hold of the fact that I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But then I grab forward knowing that nothing on earth makes sense unless Jesus is coming back. I'm going to come back to that in a second. <laughs> I, I'm so, so, so I'm grabbing a hold to the fact that there's a future picture that influences my now. It, 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 I remember when we were in school and I, I, grew up, I was in the part of the, re, the original hip-hop generation. The original hip-hop generation. And when I was in school, you know, um, you know, I mean, we used to wear, 
you know, because <clears throat> that, that was when everybody went to a historically black college that was black, you know, because a different world influenced us to go, you know. <clears throat> and um, that's what we used to wear. Malcolm X has them X joints. Y'all don't know about that. The flip glasses like the Wayne Wayne. You know what I'm saying? We used to have a little circle joint around our neck with the green, black, and red Africa joint around. I know, I know y'all don't know what I'm talking about right now. But, but, but we used to experience that. And when we experienced that and went through that, a lot of people hated Christianity because Christianity communicated ignoring earth, pointing to heaven. In other words, don't worry about now. Like in the sweet by and by, all of this will be taken care of. So let's not have any activity practically now based on Christ coming back. So now nah, I just got Jesus. Jesus is coming back. That's not what Paul is saying here. What Paul is saying here is Paul is saying because Jesus is coming back, it gives me a different level of a rooting now. In other words, in other words, because Jesus comes back, I, my life should be a trailer for his return. Y'all not going to talk back to me. Listen, the single person, your life now is a, should be a trailer for Jesus' return. The married couple, your marriage should be a trailer for his return. Your finances and how you use them should be a trailer for Christ's return. The way you work on your job should be a trailer for Christ's return. In other words, our commitment as a church to biblical justice with that's rooted in spiritual gospel transformation is a sign that Jesus comes back. Why do you think we do a basketball league? Why do you think we're going to do a computer lab? Why do you think we want to do a crisis pregnancy center? Why do you think we want to disciple men? Why do you think we want to disciple women? Why do you think we want to have parenting development? All of that has to do with the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back and we are called in the now to announce a kingdom that's coming and the thing that makes our now emphasize is that there's power not just coming later, there's power right here, right now for God to do a work so that more people, I'm getting ahead of myself, can be a trailer to the glory of Christ. When you believe the gospel for real, for real, it impacts everything. Impacts everything. It brings stuff to fruition and perspective in such a powerful way for us as believers to have clarity. And de- that's where your depth comes from. That's why when you go through, you don't just let going through. A t- don't talk to yourself too much when you go through. See, if you talk to yourself too much, you're going to talk yourself out of walking with Jesus. See, going through, you got to talk about and get your mind in a heavenly mindset. What does he say next? He says, for it is for your sake, your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving. It's bananas. So what, what is this? The, the, when you're going through extending gospel grace by communicating the glorious might of the gospel to other people, and more and more people get to experience the beauty of God's grace in the gospel, and it gives God maximum glory through your life. So it increases thanksgiving. That means the more people meet Jesus Christ, the more thanksgiving that God gets on earth. Not that he needs it. Now, this is what's important. We, we, we are a church where we enjoy getting ministered to. Now we got to graduate back to being missiologists and evangelists. Listen, evangelism doesn't just go to a special group of people in the church. And see, you can't say, I just know what he done for me. That's not the gospel. I know what he done for me is not the gospel. A Buddhist can say they know what Buddha did for him. 
You know, so anybody can say that. But the issue for us is we have to we have to be able to clearly deal with the gospel with people, family of God. And then know what we need to do. You need to allow God to help you to get over the fear and intimidation of people's questions. <clears throat> because because listen, suffering reminds you and gives you the opportunity to be challenged so that your questions about God can be engaged in the midst of that suffering. That strengthens you in your ability as you go through suffering to have your soul fortified in gospel commitment. As you get fortified, listen, in gospel commitment, you can now engage a person and not be intimidated by it. Men and women of all ages, you shouldn't fear sharing the gospel with anyone. And I'm believing over the next year, as we're getting this infrastructure going, one of the big things that we're going to be working on is urban apologetics. And we're going to be training you in how to be more confident in the scriptures, how to be more confident in the gospel, how to be more confident in your ability to go cross religions and engage people with no fear, ice grilling to the glory of God, knowing that the book is real. And you're going to have seasons as you go through that where you're going to be suffering and you're going to be going through something. But God uses the olive press of suffering for the oil of God to go out of you as you go into the world and engage other people. It's all right. Y'all ain't got to talk back. But I'm excited about the gospel. And I, and I believe in God that your fears are going to be broken down. Because Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Why would he call it the power of God? Why, why? Because God's arm isn't too short to save. Help me. Because in other words, you're going to deal with some people that don't look like they should get saved because they have so many barriers to the gospel. But God will put you in their life to work through those barriers, and then guess what's going to happen? They're going to get saved beyond the barriers. You're going to be like, I can't even believe it. I'm not just talking about somebody's having sex, and that's, that's easy. I'm talking about the person that has, the, I'm talking about their emotional barriers. They're reading all kinds of things. They're atheists, hyper-intellectuals, scientists, uh, uh, Islamic engineers. If you will, and the gospel, listen, and you going through your suffering and you, the pain make you want to say something. Then you communicate the gospel over time. You ain't beating them up all the time. You slip a little something in there. Clear that out. Slip a little something. Boom. Plant. Water. God add the growth. Plant. Water. God add the growth. Plant. Water. God add the growth. And then all of a sudden, the, the, listen, 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 listen. The, the, what, 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 listen, God is so mighty and powerful that the gospel is mighty enough to break against the worst barrier of the worst intellectual, the worst whoremonger, the worst licentiousness, the worst legalism, the worst wayward person, the worst crazy person. The gospel of God is mighty. It's for both the Jew and the Greek. That means the gospel is so mighty that it's bilingual, it's trilingual, it's quilingual, it's quadlingual, it's multi, it's globally lingual, and it's able to penetrate any culture, any person, any life, any situation and transform it from the inside out. Your suffering that you go through is God showing you the might of the gospel so you can share the might of the gospel. Why are you scared to share the thing that did the most work in your life? You wouldn't be sitting here, many of you. If God didn't bring you out, if God didn't make a way, if he didn't become a bridge over troubled water, if he didn't take you the, the, uh, another route, you're here. Many of you are smart. 
Many of you ladies, degree-wise, y'all are brilliant. God saved you in the midst of all your brilliance. Some of y'all are beasts in the world, and God moved around it. Some of you were out there wilding your living behind off. But the God of heaven, who is rich in mercy and rich in grace, reached down to the gutter of your intellectualism, the gutter of your whoremongling, the gutter of your foolishness, and saved you, saved you, brought you out, delivered you, strengthened you. The gospel. The gospel, it's mighty. Mighty to save he is. And that's why we do what we do. How dare you let your suffering de detain your voice? <laughs> Paul says it's too mighty. I got to go to the next point before I run out of this building. Next point. <clears throat> the bigger picture is built from the inside out. You're going to get a bigger picture. <clears throat> you got to recognize that it's built from the inside out. Look at what Paul says. So we do not lose heart. Why does he say that? He didn't say, so you don't lose heart. He includes himself. <laughs> Why? Because he wanted to lose heart. First thing you want to do when you go through something that's too hard for you, when God allows on you more than you, what you can bear, like the Bible said in chapter 1, you want to give up. You want to give up because when, when, when hell hits you, it eclipses heaven's glory. So you got to be you got to be careful of making a decision about your life when you first get punched by life. <laughs> in, in other words, you don't don't let that first the first thing you think about guide you. You just sit there for a while. That's why Joe friends, they say nothing for a week. They just sat there and just watched Joe like, dang. Because you process badly when you get hit the first time. You know what I'm saying? I remember this, I, was, I was instigating this fight in the alley, man. And um, man, this drug dealer came out of his house because I was messing with his cousin. And I knew I could get him. I knew I could get him. But I knew if I hit him, they were going to fill me with lead. And, that, that, and, and he hit me in the face. And when he hit me, I didn't know the other side of the universe existed. He hit me like with a three-piece, and I ran up the, I, I tried to run up the street because I didn't want him to sh shoot me, and so I just ran up the street and stood at the corner, like trying to get myself together, because I wanted to give up on everything when he hit me. He hit me with that quick, pap, 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 and I was just like, which one of y'all hit me, you know? I like Chris Rock, you know, and, um, and if I would have made a decision based on the punch that I got, I would have might have made, I may not be standing before you right now. So Paul says, don't lose heart. But then he goes deeper. He says, though our outer self, here it is, is wasting away. Our inner self <clears throat> is being renewed day by day. How is that? How is that? If I can give a quick idea, when God, so Adam and Eve, if you eat the treat us in the midst of the garden, you shall surely die. It can be translated, dying you shall die. <laughs> Pointing to the fact that death was definitive. Spiritual death, <clears throat> physical death, and progressive death. 
Now, and, 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 and so this idea Paul talking about here finds its root in Genesis 3 when they fail. And so now, whenever you're born, as beautiful as you think you are, as fine as you think you are, guess what? You're deteriorating as soon as you're born. Even though you're moving towards puberty and, and new stuff starts happening to your life, you're still moving towards death. As, as a matter of fact, and I encourage you to eat right, you can, you know, you can juice, you know, you can be a vegan, you can take all kinds of natural vitamins, you can eat corn-fed and grass-fed meat and all that kind of carrying on, you can get you the bullet, you know what I'm saying, you can get you the George Foreman grill, you know what I'm saying, you can get 80-20 meat or 90-20 ground beef, you can eat free-range chicken, you can do every, you can do push-ups, you can do pull-ups, <clears throat> you can get in P90X, uh, you can get in Insanity, you can get SB, you can join teams, you can, you can do pull-up sit-ups, you can do bicep curls, you can do brain crushers, you can do all of those different things, because all of our lives is put against trying to fight death but the inevitable is is that we're on a physical downward trajectory towards deterioration and nobody no matter how fine you are no matter how good your hair is done no matter what it is it's a sign that there's an expiration date on every person as soon as they're born as soon as you're born there's an expiration date on you and suffering pushes it because suffering just stresses you out more. You get gray faster. You lose your hair. Look at the president. Go in dark-headed, come out looking like Moses. Can't even walk. You know what I'm saying? Looking like Red Fox. This, this world and its stress has an impact on us. But that's not the end of the story. Because on the downward trajectory of suffering and the impact that life has on us, the Bible says we're being renewed day by day. I like that. Listen to me. We're being renewed every single day as we're being wasted away. It's present passive infinitive. It's a present thing that's happening right now, but it's passive. You don't do it yourself. So, so being renewed day by day is not what you do. It's what's called in uh, my, my, my professor uh, Dan Wallace calls it a divine passive. And in, in, in other words, the divine passive means a, a divine actor is acting upon you something you can't do for yourself. So the inner self, listen, is being renewed day by day by God as you go through trouble. So, you, so that's why you can't look at your surroundings and define your depth by what's going on. Because in the midst of the downward trajectory, God is at work. God is moving and God is... I, 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 I love the way diamonds are created. Diamonds, interestingly enough, are developed by the earth's mantle, by its crust. And it's under heat for long periods of time. But the way they come to the surface is the magma and larva from the earth's core pushes the diamonds out when they're done. Listen, the way God works in our lives is in the heat and heaviness of circumstances. And the very thing that heats up our life, God uses to push the finished product of his value out of our lives, these spiritual diamonds. And so he says in verse 17, he says, for this is light and momentary afflictions. Paul, you must be crazy. 
Paul, you mean to tell me what I'm going through is nothing? <clears throat> well, you, Paul is saying the only way you think it's something if that's all you have on your mind. In, in other words, if all you see is what you're going through, it's heavy. But if you have the Lord on your mind, it becomes light. That means that, in other words, you got to think about eternity in such an ecstatic way where it rises you above what you're going through. Your, your suffering gets spiritually lighter when you think about Christ coming back. Help me. When you think about the fact that he's coming back and there won't be no more crying, no more dying, <clears throat> no more sickness, no more bills, no more frustration, no more drama, no more domestic violence, no more racism, no more sexism, no more demasculization of men, no more demasculization of women, because we'll all be uh, one type of person. Uh, there'll be no male or no female in eternity. Help me today, God. Uh, uh, that's a whole nother sermon. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm powerful enough. There will be no more sickness, no more brokenness, no more car accidents, no more thunderstorms, no more rains, no more bills, no more loans. Somebody should have shouted right there. Some of y'all said, you got me right there, Pastor, because as much as I owe Jesus Maranatha right now. Let me just tell you something. This life has beautiful things in it. But it has some really, really hurtful things in it. And if you don't have the Lord, it won't make any sense. Let me just tell you something. This life does not make sense without Jesus. That's the point of the sermon. It just don't make no sense to go through brokenness, to go through divorce, to go through molestation, to go through tumultuous events, to go through all of these different things. And if all you do is go through what you go through with no Jesus, this world makes no sense. But when you have a Jesus that works everything after the counsel of his own will, when you have a Jesus that works all things together for the good of those who love them and are called according to his purpose, when you have a Jesus that can tell you, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect work in you. When you have a Jesus that can say, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he'll deliver you out of all of them. When you have a Jesus that can take you through stuff, allow you to go through stuff and make some sense out of the mess that you go through. That's when life makes sense. Why go through hell and live on earth through hell and then die and go to hell? Christ, when you trust Christ, you're secured. Make use of your salvation. He gives you perspective. Somebody broke your heart. What is Jesus saying to you? The job didn't work out, what is Jesus saying to you? You're unemployed right now, what is Jesus saying to you? You're trying to start a business, things won't work out yet, what is Jesus saying to you? What in the world is Jesus, your dreams ain't coming true, what is Jesus saying to you about your dream? What in the world, you got to ask yourself the question, Jesus, make life make sense. Because without him, there is no perspective. There is none. 
He's the one that created you and everything and is intimately knowledgeable about your life. And he's overseeing it and superintending you on an everyday basis. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows how many times you cut your hair and how much hair you lost and where it's at and how many strands of hair it was if all of your hair was still on your head with the ones that you cut off your head. He knows the amount of clothes that you've gone through, the amount of times that you wash them and which threads are still dirty even though it looks clean. God knows how many sneakers you've had. He knows how dirty every piece of clothing you have is. He knows how many cars have been in your family. He knows how many animals have been in your family and how many hairs are on the hair of the heads of those animals. He knows the sicknesses of those animals. He knows how many job potentials that you got. He knows how many jobs you've been through, how much money you've made. He can count back without having to count it up in his head and he can say, how much have I made in my life? And he can roll it off to you individually at the same time and speak with one voice. That's how powerful he is. So if he's that powerful, why are you worried about your life? It's light and momentary afflictions and he's working everything out. He knows it all. And so I pray, as the text says, this life is translucent and transient, momentary, but in the massive expanse of heaven and eternity, it's but this much. So see the bigger picture, family of God. Father.